Hey, welcome back to our second podcast on the absolutely true diary of a part-time Indian. Today, we are going to discuss the second half of the book. Enjoy! During the Christmas holidays, Junior's family sadly did not earn enough income for their Christmas presents. Frustrated, Junior's dad goes to the bender, which is the bar, on Christmas Eve, and just disappears. His dad doesn't come back until January 2nd with a horrible hangover. Junior's dad tries to apologize, but we all know that Junior was still upset, even when he said it was okay. Knowing that his son was upset, he told Junior to reach into his boot. Then Junior finds $5. He thinks to himself how easy it is for his dad that he could have spent it on whiskey. Junior calls it a beautiful, ugly thing. While living on the res and going to an all-white school, Junior says he observes both good and bad parents. Bad parents are the ones who ignore their kids. Junior says he has white friends whose fathers they've never even met. He also says that he's done the thinking and it's better to live in Reardon than Wellpinit, but maybe only slightly better. Junior then talks more about his grandma, repeating that her greatest gift was tolerance. Indians used to respect quirkiness. They saw epileptics as shamans, and gay people were seen as magical. He says that today's Indians are tolerant. His grandmother still does things the old way. He continues talking about his grandmother's death, being struck and killed by a drunk driver on her way home from a powwow. Her last words were, forgive him. He thinks over and over and concluded that she meant it towards the man who hit her. Forgive the man who hit me. Three days after Junior's grandmother's death, Junior's family had a wake. 2,000 people showed up. None of the Indians on the res hassled Junior that day. And he says after his grandmother's death, they quit giving him such a hard time in general. The crowd is so big. Junior's family moves the coffin onto the 50-yard line of the Spokane football field. Mary doesn't come home from Montana because she doesn't have enough money to travel. Ten hours into the wake, a white billionaire named Ted stands up to make a speech. Ted says that ten years previously, he bought a beautiful, obviously stolen, powwow dance outfit for $1,000 off an Indian stranger who came to his cabin, really a mansion. Ted says he bought an outfit even though he knew it was stolen. He says that he felt guilty about buying the outfit for years, and he hired an anthropologist to track down its rightful owner, Grandmother Spirit. Ted came to return the outfit, only to find Grandmother Spirit had died, and he would like to ask for forgiveness and give the outfit back to the grandmother's family. Junior's mom stand up. She says to Ted that there's nothing to forgive. Junior's grandmother was never a powwow dancer never owned an outfit. And Ted's outfit doesn't even look Spokane at all. She said it looks more like the other tribes. But she was not an expert, and neither was Ted's. All the Indians laugh, and Junior said that when it comes to death, laughter and tears are the same. Ted packs up the outfit and leaves the Spokane reservation. On Valentine's Day, Junior gives Penelope a homemade valentine. And Eugene, Junior's dad's best friend, is shot in the face outside of a 7-Eleven. Eugene's friend Bobby shoots him over who will get the last sip of a bottle of wine. They were both drunk. A few weeks later, in jail, Bobby hangs himself. Junior copes with this by drawing a lot of cartoons and by reading an ancient Greek playwright. Gordy gives him a play. 
Junior is so depressed he thinks about dropping out of Reardon. After missing school 15 to 20 times for various good reasons, Junior sits in social studies class. His teacher, Mrs. Jeremy, says it's nice of him to show up. Gordy and the other students defend Junior by standing up, dropping their textbooks on their desks, and parading out of the classroom, leaving Junior behind. Junior laughs, and then he leaves the class, too. He says that to grieve, he made lists of the good things in his life, lists of friends, music, food, books, and basketball players. Junior becomes a freshman starter on his new school's varsity basketball team. He's not big or fast, but he can definitely shoot. Junior throws up before every game, but his coach says it's okay and that he used to be a yucker too. After their first loss to Wellprint, they win 12 more games in a row before hosting them back for a rematch. Their new record is 12-1, and and Wellprint is undefeated. A local news crew comes out to interview Junior before the game. The reporter asks Junior how it feels to play against his former teammates, and Junior says it's weird. The reporter asks Junior to be more specific, but Junior is suspicious. He doesn't play along, but finally, after the reporter calls him a mean name, Junior gives up a more detailed response. Junior says it's the most important thing in his life right now, and that he has to prove himself to everyone. 2,000 fans come to the game gym. Coach calls Junior, Rodan's secret weapon assigns him to guard Rowdy. Reardon wins the tip-off, but Browdy steals the ball from their point guard, and with Junior guarding him, goes up for a dunk. Junior has a burst of adrenaline, jumps higher than he ever has before, and takes the ball from Rowdy above the rim. Junior dribbles down the court and pulls up at the three-point line. He fakes, Rowdy jumps, then Junior drains a three-pointer. The crowd explodes. Junior's mom and dad weep with joy. It's the only shot Junior takes all night, but Junior holds Rowdy to just four points, and Reardon wins the game by 40. Junior celebrates at the buzzer, but then he has a realization. Reardon is Goliath to Welpin at David. Reardon has all the advantages and is expected to win. Junior thinks how some of the kids on Welpin at didn't have breakfast, how one player's dad deals drugs, and how Rowdy's dad will beat him for losing. Junior runs to the locker room and cries tears of shame. Welpin at season falls after their loss to Reardon. Reardon wins the rest of its regular season games, but it's upset by a small town team early in the state playoffs. Junior says at the age of 14, he's already been to 42 funerals. The white kids that he knows can count the funerals they've been to on one hand. Junior says that Tolstoy is wrong when he says unhappy families are unique. All Indian families are unhappy for the same reason. Junior says it's because of alcohol. When Junior's in chemistry, his guidance counselor, Miss Warren, comes to the door. She asks to see him. She tells him that his sister Mary has died. When he asks why, she ignores him. When mad, he goes outside in the snow, in the cold, cold snow, and waits for his dad. While he waits for his dad, he can only imagine that his dad died in a car crash. But when his dad pulls up in his truck, he gets in and he cannot stop laughing. Through his laughter, Junior asks how Mary died. Junior's dad says that she and her husband had a big party. They got really drunk and fell asleep. One of the guests started to cook some soup on a hot plate but forgot about it, and the trailer burned down. Junior laughs so hard he throws up a little bit. 
At home, Junior's mom makes him promise he will never drink. During the burial, Junior gets overwhelmed and runs into the woods. He runs right into Rowdy, who is watching in secret. Rowdy is crying. Junior points out Rowdy's tears, and Rowdy tries to punch him but misses. Rowdy tells Junior he killed Mary, that she left the res because he did. The day after the burial, Junior goes to school. He doesn't want to be at a wake where people are getting drunk. All the kids at Reardon show Junior affection. Penelope cries in sympathy. Junior, his mom, and dad go to the cemetery to clean graves. They clean grandmothers, Eugene's, and Mary's, and they also have a picnic. Junior's dad brings a saxophone while he plays and tells his family that the world is about love and death. His mother tells him that she's proud of him, but he shrugs it off. Junior cries for Mary, but he soon realizes he's crying for his tribe. He says that somehow, other Indians have forgotten that reservations were meant to be death camps. Then, Junior makes a list of the other tribes that he feels he's been a member of, and that is important to him. He lists the tribes of cartoonists, poor people, tortilla chip, and salsa lovers. Junior says that the realization that he is part of these larger groups is hugely important to him. It reminds it that it's okay, but it also reminds him of those who aren't okay. He thinks of Rowdy when editing his last tribe, following with Junior missing him. Junior describes the reservation, says that it's filled with ponderosa pine trees. Some of the trees are 90 feet tall and 300 years old. One tree past Turtle Lake is the tallest, at least 150 feet tall. He remembers how when he and Rowdy were 10, they climbed that tree. One hot summer day, Rowdy pressures Junior to go swimming at Turtle Lake. Junior says no one has been able to measure the depth of Turtle Lake, not even scientists, with a small submarine. Once Junior's dad told him that, as a kid, he watched a horse, nicknamed Stupid Horse, drown in Turtle Lake. A few weeks later, Stupid Horse washed up on the shore of Benjamin Lake, ten miles away. Everyone th thought someone moved its carcass as a prank. Some people took the horse to the dump and buried it. Then, a few weeks la later, they burned the body. Turtle Lake then caught on fire. People stayed away from Turtle Lake for a few days, then once they found Stupid Horse washed up on shore again, before long, people forgot and started swimming in Turtle Lake again. On the way to swim in Turtle Lake, Junior points out the big tree. Rowdy says that they should climb it. They do climb it, and at the very top, as far as the branches will support their weight. They can see the whole reservation when Rowdy let out a big fart. While the boys climb back down from the tree, they never go swimming, even though Rowdy wanted to. Junior says that he can't believe he survived his first year at his new school. He misses Penelope and Gordy, he says, but excited when Gordy is going to stay with him for a week over the res for the summer. Roger has left for Eastern Washington University on a football scholarship. Then, Junior's... Big question number one. How long does an Indian burial last? The first big question is, how long does an Indian burial last? Well, well, the answer to that is the cremation of the deceased marks the beginning time of mourning. This can last up to 13 days. 
During this time, the family will stay at home and receive their visitors. The morning rituals may differ depending on the community. Who is Tom and why did he go to the grandma's funeral? Tom was a rich male who traded $1,000 for a powwow dress. Um, he went to the funeral to return the powwow dress, but um, it wasn't the grandma's dress. He thought it was, and he went there to beg for forgiveness and to return the dress to her family. Big question number three. Was the grandma in another tribe? Well, the answer to that is question is, no. The grandma stayed in the same tribe for almost all of her life. The man named Tom had a misunderstanding with the powwow dress, if you were wondering. How did poverty affect him getting to school? There would be many times when he had to stay home from school because they wouldn't have enough money for gas to drive him to his bus stop that was like 20 miles away. And there were other times where he would have to walk, and it would sometimes it would be too cold for him to walk, so he wasn't able to get to school, and this messed with his education. Big question number five is where was Spokane at? Well, the answer to that one is the Spokane Reservation is in Washington State. How many kids go to schools outside of the res? Um, throughout the book, it's just Junior, but at the end of the book, he asked Rowdy to join him next year at Reardon. So, so far, only Junior, but there could be more. I was really moved by the second half of this book because it told true emotions. It was really easy to read and to follow the emotions. I enjoyed reading about Junior's basketball career. I was shocked that he gave the newscaster a lot of sass and pretended that he didn't understand what they wanted him to say. Although, I think he was just having fun teasing him. I think the real coach to player time was incredible. During this time, Junior and the coach bonded over being a yucker. I had no clue what the word yucker meant until I flipped the page. Yucker. Someone who throws up before their game. Junior's coach told Junior that he used to be a yucker as well. Weird, right? Junior's team won the game against Rowdy's team. After the game, Rowdy acted as he was upset, but we all know he just missed Junior. There were times during the book that I found it a little bit sad. Junior's sister Mary passed away during the book as well as his grandmother. I could only feel his pain. His sister Mary always sent him postcards from Montana, and I thought that was very sweet. The way she died was terrible. I mean, dying because of alcohol and fire is not the best thing in the world. The second half of the book made me realize that the story isn't all that sad. Yeah, a lot of sad things happen in the story, and yes, it follows through the entire book, but the story itself isn't sad. Let me explain. I almost cried when I found out that Junior's sister Mary died. Junior lost a lot of people throughout the story, especially in the second half. But the way that Junior lives his life shows how strong he is. It's really motivational. He powers through all of the bad things in his life. Junior still manages to have fun and be involved in school. 
he still gets good grades even when he can barely make it to school because of his poverty. Thanks for listening, and we hope you will tune in for our final podcast on the absolutely true diary of a part-time Indian on the full book. See you there!